I don't know about you, but for me, the beginning of the new year always brings various thoughts. And we don't preach according to the calendar, but I preach as best I can according to how the Holy Spirit is speaking to me. And it just seems that so often there are such good lessons that we can go to that correspond with timing on a calendar. And coming into a new year is one of those times. To have reflections of the past year, to examine ourselves, because we know the truth of God's Word. We know that trials come for a purpose. We've gone through James a couple times here uh, as I've been preaching here. We know that, that trials come to teach us that our strength is not of our own, that, that He is our source of strength. And, and, and we know, don't, don't think it's strange concerning the fiery trial. We know all those things. And, and as we look back and we reflect on the past year, examine ourselves, do a little grading. How did I do? How did you do? Did we pass the test? Or did we fail the test? And hey, if you fail the test, He gives us do-overs. I believe that. And we'll have the opportunity to perhaps go through a very similar trial in this next year. And I, and I don't say that to, to cause us to worry or to be concerned, but, but I say that knowing that He is faithful. And that regardless of what we may go through in 2022, He is already there. And He is holding us. And perhaps in the midst of this, I talked about it a little bit earlier, perhaps uh, you've made some resolves. We sung the old hymn, I Am Resolved. And as I was thinking about that, even after Friday night, uh, and I've talked about Jonathan Edwards' 70 uh, resolutions. And so I, I got out my copy and was kind of reading through those. And Jonathan Edwards, this was a, at a very early age. He was a teenager when he started this. And he started out with 35 resolutions. And then he added to that list over the next several months until he had reached a total of 70 resolutions. He, he was 19 when he completed the list. So keep that in mind. So here's, here's all of these resolutions that, that were, were being formed in, in the thoughts and desires of a young man who would become one of the great Puritan preachers. This was before any of his well-known sermons. This was before any of his books and writings. This was a young Christian trying to find his way and to stay on course in serving the Lord. So is it good to make resolutions? Well, I believe so if we remember this. So everybody listen. If we remember this. Any resolution is only as good as the strength that can be found to accomplish it. Any resolution is only as good as the strength that can be found to accomplishment. Now, you probably already know where this is heading. Is it my strength? Is it your strength? No, no. Did Jonathan Edwards ever struggle? 
Yes. Yes, he did. He struggled in keeping his resolutions. And, and Jonathan Edwards kept a, a diary. He kept a journal. And in it, we'll, we can read of spiritual highs. We can speak of the lows, those times where the inability to focus on spiritual things was there. And here's an example from Edwards' diary. This was January 2nd, 1722. You get the date? January 2nd, 1722, which is exactly 300 years ago today. So this is what he wrote. The last week... I was sunk so low that I fear it will be a long time before I am recovered. I fell exceedingly low in the weekly account regarding keeping my resolutions. I find my heart so deceitful that I am almost discouraged from making any more resolutions. Wherein have I been negligent in the week past and how could I have done better to help the dreadful low estate in which I am sunk? Let me pause for a moment. Does that, does that sound familiar to you? Is it, is, has that ever been you? It's been me. It's been me. You know, like all believers, Jonathan Edwards experienced times of temptation, times of defeat, times of discouragement. He talked of this ongoing battle and he made kind of a reference that it was very similar to, to that struggle that Paul talked about in Romans 7. All those things that I desire to do, I don't do. And just that, that spiritual battle that was going on. And Jonathan Edwards came to realize that his resolutions failed when he tried to accomplish them on his own strength. And ours will too. They could not succeed unless he relied on God's grace and the power of the Holy Spirit for their accomplishment. So in his diary, uh, he explains the key to his spiritual strength. And he continues. Here's what he wrote. Quote, I find by experience that in making these resolutions that it is all nothing and to no purpose at all without the motions of the Spirit of God. There must be no dependence on myself. Our resolutions may be at the highest one day, and yet the next day we may be in a miserable dead condition. Not at all like the same person who resolved. So that it is to no purpose to resolve, except we depend on the grace of God. And three days later, after this, that, that was that January 2nd, 1722, which was 300 years ago. Three days later, he, he expressed a continual battle against sin with these words, quote, It used to appear to me that I had not much sin remaining. He was 19. It used to appear to me that I had not much sin remaining, but now... I perceive that there are great remainders of sin. Without the influences of the Spirit of God, the old serpent would begin to rouse up himself from his frozen state and would come to life again. 
See, Edwards recognized that his sanctification was dependent upon the Holy Spirit. And that's all of us. That's all of us. And, and he wrote this at the beginning, uh, kind of a, a prequel before he started the resolutions. Now listen. Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat Him by His grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable to His will for Christ's sake. So if you're going to make a resolution, let, let, let it have a forward before you start, such as what Edwards did. Being sensible that I am unable to do anything without God's help, I do humbly entreat Him by His grace to enable me to keep these resolutions so far as they are agreeable with His will for Christ's sake. See, other than for a foundation based on God's will and the truth of His Word, any resolution is merely a function of one's own personal grit and determination. Because anyone, saved, unsaved, believer, non-believer, can make a, a resolution and, and by their grit and determination try to keep them. A child of God, apart from the power of the Holy Spirit and the truth of God's Word, we can't of ourselves. 2 Thessalonians 1, verses 11 and 12. Therefore we also pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of this calling, and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in Him, according to the grace of of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let, let's pray once again. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. And, and I pray even now, Lord, You would all give us a resolve of heart to, to serve You and follow You. And even now, Lord, let us look to Your Word. Let us draw strength from You. Equip us, Lord, for what is to come. I pray in Christ's name. Amen that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that's the New King James Version. I've got verse 11 in the ESV. Uh, verse 11 in the King James said, Therefore we also pray always for you that our Lord, that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power. ESV. To this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power. By His power. See, there, there it, it, it makes it very clear where the power is coming from. King James Version didn't do that. It said with power. But ESV makes it clear that it's not our power, that it's His. That our God may make you worthy of His calling and may fulfill every resolve for good. So can we make resolves for good? Yeah. Yeah. 
and and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power. But we make the resolve, and we and we do as Edwards did. Let every resolve be accomplished by His power and be according to His will or His glory that we would walk worthy of His calling. Let's read 1 Thessalonians 2, verses 11 and 12. As you know how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God who calls you into His kingdom and glory. So there, we are called to walk worthy of God who has called us into His kingdom. In Ephesians 4, verses 1 and through 3. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, and this is the Apostle Paul, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Well, let me pause there. Who called us? The Father. The Father. God the Father. That you walk worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's read another in Colossians 1, verses 9 through 12. Colossians 1, 9 through 12. For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Why? Verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to His glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in the light. See, the verses that go, brother Scotty, with what you talked about this morning. It's Him. The Father has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the life. It's, it's, it's God. And so that we would walk worthy according to His glorious power. Worthy. Now, now sometimes you may hear that word worthy and you think it means, well, it's, it's, we're, we're deserving. It's, it's something that's uh, meritorious, but it, but it's not. It th- this word means fitting, proper, and appropriate. That that we are conduct ourselves as is fitting, proper, and appropriate for the child of God to walk worthy. Not that we are worthy, but He is worthy, and so we are to walk fittingly, properly, and appropriately. For the glory of God. Strengthened with all might according to His glorious power. So what should be our resolves? To obey the commands of God and please Him. And it is by the Word of God that we know the will of God. Amen? It's by His Word that we know His will and we know what pleases God. So... Let's go back to 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 12. You know, why should we desire to walk worthy of our calling and to please Him? Here's why. 
that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. That our resolves would be to the glory of God and be accomplished by the power of God that is within us. Because every child of God, we have the power of God in us. We have the Holy Spirit in us. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're not His. You're not His. But for every born-again believer, we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. And so may we walk worthy uh, to the glory of God and that this would be accomplished by the power of God that is in us. In 1 Peter 4, verse 11. 1 Peter 4, verse 11. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Everything is building on itself, isn't it? That that same theme. Do, do Do it with the ability which God supplies. That in all things, God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. That's why. Let Him do it as with the ability which God supplies. Why? That in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. That every resolve would be accomplished with the ability that God supplies, the strength that He supplies, the power that He supplies. Why? That in all things God may be glorified. The power that He supplies. The question has come up through the years. Well, if God is sovereign, and if it's God's power, if it's His strength and supply, what's my part? Is any of this up to me? Is any of my will a part of this? Yes. Let's just go ahead and answer it. Yes. Yes. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.10 1 Corinthians 15.10 But by the grace of God, I am what I am. This is the Apostle Paul. And His grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God which was in me. See, the the Apostle Paul even had a hard time trying to express this. I labored. I labored. But but it wasn't me. Yes, it was my hands. It was my feet. It was my voice. I labored. Yet not I, but Christ in me. But the grace of God which was with me. Now, Now listen to this quote. Grace is an active, present, Transformative, obedience-enabling power. Grace is an active, present, transformative, obedience-enabling. Isn't that great? Obedience-enabling power. And then I'm going to let Piper explain. Quote, The first point is that seeking the power of God to fulfill our good resolve does not mean that we don't really resolve or that we don't really use willpower. 
The engagement of God's power never takes the place of the engagement of our will. Now stay with me as we read this. The power of God and sanctification never makes us passive. The power of God engages itself beneath or behind and within our will, not in place of our will. The evidence of God's power in our lives is not the absence of our willing, but the strength of our willing. Anyone who says, well, I believe in the sovereignty of God, and so I will just sit back and do nothing, does not really believe in the sovereignty of God. Did you catch that? Have you ever heard anybody say that? I have. Just let go, let God. Just sit back. He'll, he'll take care of it. And what Piper say? Anyone that believes such a thing doesn't really know the sovereignty of God. And I'd say amen to that. Quote again. For why would someone who believes in God's sovereignty so blatantly disobey Him? When you sit back and do nothing, you are not doing nothing. <laughs> you are actively engaging your will in a decision to sit back. It's true, is it? You're not doing nothing. You are actively engaging your will in a decision to set back. And if that is the way you handle sin or temptation in your life, it is blatant disobedience because we are commanded to wage a good warfare. 1 Timothy 1.18 This charge I commit to you, Son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Piper says, and we are called to resist the devil. What's well, James 4, verses 7 and 8? James 4, verses 7 and 8. Therefore, submit to God. See what comes first here. Submitting to God. Then, Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then Piper says, and strive for holiness. And that's Hebrews 12, verse 14. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Continue with Piper quote. Part of the whole process of walking worthy of God's call is the active engagement of our will in resolving to do righteousness. If you have lingering sin in your life, or if you keep neglecting some good deed just because you have been waiting around to be saved without a fight, you are compounding your disobedience. A lot of Christians is sitting around just hoping to be saved without a fight. Did you catch that? Let me continue. God will never appear with power in your will in any other form than a good resolve that you make and keep. So the first point is that people who believe in the sovereignty of God must not fear to engage their wills in the struggle for holiness. In Luke 13... Verse 24. 
Strive to enter through the narrow gate, for many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. Now again, I've had a lot of conversations about that word strive throughout the years. We strive by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Not just of ourselves and flesh and blood, but by the Spirit in in the ability that He supplies. Now let me continue. So when I say that it is the duty of Christians to seek the power of God to fulfill their good resolves, I am assuming that they give themselves energetically to know God's will and to resolve it with all the power that lives within them. End quote. Are you energetic to know the will of God? That by the power that's within you to make a good resolve, to strive to enter through the narrow gate? So I, I thought he brought up some very good points worthy of consideration. Because as a child of God, our wills are not disengaged, but rather engaged by the will of God, by His power, His strength, His grace. Philippians 2, verses 12 and 13. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Child of God, it's, it's, it's Him. It is God who works in us, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Above all else, it is God who is at work in the life of a believer. And it is God who began the work. It's been talked about a lot this morning. He began the work, and He will complete it. Philippians 1.6 Being confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's the Lord that began it. He will sustain you, He will uphold you, and He will keep you to the end. He is at work in us to do for His good pleasure. So our desire should be to please God and to do His will. Amen? But that can only be accomplished by and through His power. (laughs) See, it it, it is uh, quite the paradox, isn't it? I mean, really. That we must be doing and doing, but doing it in such a way that it's not me, but it's Him through me. So how do we do that? Perhaps break it down like this. And and I talked about this Friday night to the, the fellowship as we gather. How do we do it? Here's how you do it. You love the Lord. You love the Lord. Above everything else. Anything, anyone, you love the Lord. Jesus said this, Matthew 22, 
Verse 37. Jesus said to him, and, and you remember who, who the him is here, right? Because the Pharisees were trying to trying to get Jesus to say something. And and Jesus had already shot down uh the the, the scribes or the Yeah. He'd already shot them down. And so here here the Pharisees are going to come in and so it almost seems like okay, we're going to send our youngest, brightest guy. The one who had argued about the law. And so they sent him, hoping to get Jesus to say something so that they could go back and say, look, he, he is talking against the law of Moses. And they were there trying to set the trap for him. But what did Jesus quote to them? Deuteronomy. The very words of Moses. The, the, to, to the Jews, you know, this was, is called the Shema. And even still today, a lot, a lot of the Orthodox Jews, you know, the Shema, you know, where it says to, to take and, and bind it on your forehead. Sometimes you'll, you'll see them have a little box on their forehead, if you've ever seen that, or little pictures. Well, what's written inside of it? It's the Shema. It's, it's this that Jesus is quoting. And said in, on your phylacteries, the, the things, the little rolls of paper that's, that's stuck in their phylacteries. It's the Shema. That, that, that it was hung on their doorpost. Sometimes I would have a box on the doorpost and what was written on the paper within the Shema, this very thing. So Jesus quotes the very thing that they held dear. And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Mark's Gospel would add, and strength. And I, and I know back then, and I didn't take the time to look it up to see if it's still if with the Orthodox Jewish family today, they were to recite that twice a day. And I think that'd be a good thing. Don't you? To remind myself twice a day, come on, Randy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and strength. That'd be a good thing to do, wouldn't it? It's so a Friday night. I read uh, from a daily devotional from Blackaby's day by day devotional book, and 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 those that heard this will just bear with me and, and listen to it again. I thought it was very good. Let me read it again. And this is based on John twenty one verse fifteen. If we could put that up. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, and he said to him, Feed my lambs. Now listen, quote, Jesus has a wonderful way of restoring us when we fail Him. He does not humiliate us. He does not criticize us. Rather, He, turn, he takes us aside and asks us to reaffirm our love for him. Do you love him? See? He will take us aside and asks us to reaffirm our love for him. Peter miserably failed his Lord when he fled with the other disciples from the Garden of Gethsemane. Later, he publicly denied that he even knew Jesus. Peter must have wondered if he had been capable of being Jesus' disciple when he was unfaithful to Jesus in his most critical 
crucial hour. As you begin a new year, you may be painfully aware that you have failed your Lord in many ways. Perhaps you were not faithful. Perhaps you disobeyed His Word to you. Perhaps you denied by the way you lived. Jesus will take you aside as He did Peter. He will not berate you. He will not humiliate you. He will ask you to examine your love for Him. He asked Peter, do you love me? If your answer like Peter's is, yes, Lord, He will reaffirm His will for you. If you truly love Him, you will obey Him. John 14, 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus does not need your resolutions, your recommitments, or your promises to try harder this year. If your resolve to obey God last year did not help you to be faithful, it will not make you successful this year. Jesus asks for your love. If you truly love Him, your service for Him in the new year will be of the quality He desires. End quote. And I've talked about this throughout the years. It comes down to love. It comes down to our love for Him. If you love the Lord, you will obey His commandments. Amen? There's an evidence. If we're not keeping His commandments, what's it say about our love for Him? If we will love Him, we will trust His promises. Amen? If we love Him, we will trust that His Word is true. Do I? Do you? Do we trust God's promise moment by moment? Do we believe that in every moment of our lives, in every circumstance, for every need, that He is enough? When we, when we truly love Him and trust Him, we will have an assurance of the strength and grace that He supplies. So what will be my resolve for 2022? What will be your resolve? May we love the Lord with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. And may we face every situation in the strength of the Lord May we find our delight in Him and in Him alone. In the midst of whatever we may face in 2022, trust Him. Trust Him. Obey Him. Let's read a few more verses. Psalms 31, 1-8. through Let the Word of God speak to you this morning. In You, O Lord, I put my trust... Let me never be ashamed. Let me pause there for a moment. You believe that sometime in this coming year that you're going to have a temptation to be ashamed of Christ and the Word of God? I guarantee you there will be a temptation come to do that very thing. Perhaps you'll be in the midst of friends and they'll be talking about certain things that, that doesn't line up with the Word of God. And the Holy Spirit is asking you to speak up and to, and to speak the truth in love. But you just can't muster the courage of your own. In other words, 
you're sinking into disobedience by backing off. Do you understand that? And if we do that very thing, in reality, we're being ashamed of the Lord and His Word, are we not? There will be a temptation. Oh, may we all be able to stand against it by the power of the Spirit and the truth of God's Word. Let me never be ashamed. Deliver me in Your righteousness. Bow down Your ear to me. Deliver me speedily. Be my rock of refuge. A fortress of defense to save me. For You are my rock and my fortress. When He is, isn't He? For every child of God, He is our rock. He is our fortress. A fortress of defense to save me. For You are my rock and my fortress. Therefore, for Your name's sake, lead me and guide me. Pull me out of the net which they have secretly laid for me. For You are my strength. Into Your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me. O Lord God of truth, I have hated those who regard useless idols, but I trust in the Lord. I will be glad and rejoice in your mercy, for you have considered my trouble. You have known my soul in adversities and have not shut me up into the hand of the enemy. You have set my feet in a wide place. On the rock, on the rock, on the rock. I'll trust Him, trust Him, trust Him. Trust and obey, for there's no other way. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Let's read a few more verses. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8. Let the Word of God speak. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, and whose hope is the Lord. For he shall be like a tree planted by the waters which spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear when heat comes, but its leaf will be green and will not be anxious in the year of drought, nor will cease from yielding fruit. We don't know what the year is going to hold. There may be some desert places in our future. There may be some heat coming. There may be some refining that has to take place in our lives for the glory of God. Kevin, I I still remember a sermon you preached talking about that very thing, the refining of the Lord and to get the dross out so that, that when you look in, that all that's left is just a perfect reflection of Him. To get all the garbage out. And sometimes that takes heat. Trial. Proverbs 3, verses 5-8 through Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Don't go off on your own. Go in the power and the strength that He supplies, you see. Psalm 73, verse 28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. I'll trust Him. Draw near to God that He will draw near to you. 
in, in Psalms 56, verses 3 through 4. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in You. In God, I will praise His Word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear. What can flesh do to me? Whenever I'm afraid, will there be, will there be a time in this coming year that, that every one of us is going to have that moment? Maybe a tragedy, maybe by who knows what it may be. For a moment, there will be fear. And let me say this, when that moment comes, here's what you do. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust Him. When that moment comes, as best you can, you take those thoughts captive that's trying to take you into fear and anxiety, and you trust the Lord. You trust Him. And then what's the promise from Isaiah 26, verses 3 and 4? You will keep Him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because He trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for in Yah the Lord is everlasting strength. I have that old hymn, Tis So Sweet. Did I have it in there? Maybe let's do a verse in course of that. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I prove Him more and Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. May that be a prayer for all of us. Lord, give us grace, more grace to trust You more. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give You thanks for Your Word. It is truth. It is absolute truth. It is, it is a foundation on which we can stand Your truth, Your Word. And so Father, help us to do that. Help us to trust You. Help us to follow You. Help us to love You with all our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. So Father, as we've talked about throughout the service today, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know You hold it. We know that You are already there. So Father, Help us all to trust You. And Father, should there be one that would be listening who is yet lost, they're not saved, they're yet an unbeliever, there is no power of the Holy Spirit within them to, to accomplish any resolve. That Lord, by miracle of grace, that You would open their eyes to see You and Your holiness and righteousness.
And in light of seeing your holiness, they would see their sin and separation from you. And Lord, by that miracle of grace, draw them to Yourself. Open their eyes to the rescue of Jesus Christ. Open their eyes that, that they would see that there is a, a, a healing for sin and it is the blood of Jesus Christ. And Father, grant them faith that they might believe. That they may confess their sin. They may receive Christ believing and following Him the rest of their days. So Lord, perform a miracle that only You can do in salvation. And Father, for those of us who who are believers, whom You have so graciously called to Yourself, Lord, help us all to love You more. Help us to trust You more. I'll just give us more grace. Grace upon grace. Help us to remember always Your words of truth. When temptation comes, let us come back to Your Word. Let us hold fast the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is Your Word, Father. Help us to not stumble, but help us to stand. So Lord, we look forward to how You are going to move and work within each and every one during this coming year. And help us, Father, to give You glory in everything that we would say and do. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.